Give me about 45 minutes, 30 minutes this morning to go through 2 Corinthians 10. I'm in a series called The Radar. How many know we've been talking about developing the radar on the inside? Amen. That, that discernment to know what is God and what is not God and what is the Lord calling us to. Last Sunday, I was going to preach the sermon that I'm going to preach today, but we got into something last Sunday. How many know we got into something last Sunday? Amen. How many still love the dove? I said, how many still love the dove? So today, I want us to read these scriptures off the wall. I'm going to talk about radar. Now, I don't usually preach with uh, acronyms because I'm not, I do a lot of alliteration, but I'm not real good at uh, acronyms. But this is from the Lord. When I get something like this that fits, it's from the Lord. Because my brain ain't smart enough to think like this without the help of God. But I want to talk about the radar today. Everybody say radar recognizing and discerning assignments and responsibilities. Somebody say that with me. Recognizing assignments and responsibilities. Look at your neighbor and inform them. Tell them, neighbor, you are not called to do everything. They got offended, so look over at the other neighbor and tell your other neighbor, you are not called to do everything. So let's go ahead and put all this to rest, all this foolishness and craziness. You're dragging us into all your drama because you're trying to do everything and have found out recently you have limits. How many know you have limits? What we have to do is find our limits and work within our assignment. And my prayer today is your pastor and, and someone that loves you is I hope I can get you into a place and a posture today where you get freed from the pressure of performing and achieving expectations that others other than God have put on your life. And my prayer is that you'll start operating in a peace that comes from knowing I am doing what I am assigned and responsible to do. Let's read this together off the screen. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, out of the NIV, the nearly inspired version. Come on, let's read. Never mind. Let's read this together. We do not dare with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with they are not wise. Look at somebody tell them they are not wise. Next verse. We, however, will not boast beyond our proper limits, but will confine our boasting, watch this, to the sphere of service has a, uh-oh, a sphere that also includes Now, I'm going to I'm going to take off on this scripture from Paul writing to the church at Corinth because what he's trying to address in this text, he's trying to get at false apostles who came in boasting. He's really not talking about what I'm going to talk about today, but he makes mention of something that is germane and pertinent for my assignment today. It's almost like he says it in a by-phrase. But I want to pull something out of it today. He says, we only boast within the limits God gave us. Amen. And we're only going to talk about that sphere 
of service God has assigned to us. You have an assignment and you have responsibilities. And sometimes finding the assignment and the responsibility we are to do is first realized by discovering what we're not supposed to be doing. So today I want you to pray for me and I want to pray for you as I talk about discerning your assignment and your responsibility. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the power of God that has moved and flowed in this worship service today. Devin and I and my family, God, thank you for the honor shown. Honor we do not feel we deserve, oh God, but we are grateful for people who love us and we do not take that lightly. And God, today as I operate in my Metron and as I stand in the place I'm assigned to, I thank you that my influence, the influence you have given me, the spiritual authority you have put into our lives, God, we are now able to use that for your glory and to bless your people. I thank you as I preach and teach today. The Holy Spirit of God is going to work through this vessel, God. Into the lives of your people will come the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord will renew and wash. It will cleanse us and make us new on the inside. And I pray today in Jesus' name that everybody, Father, who hears the word of the Lord today would come up higher into a place, Lord, of, of activation where we not just know something, but we, we do something and we activate what you called us to. Let there be a release on people today. Let there be an activation in, come on, somebody needs to catch that word. I keep hearing it. Activate us today, God. We will not sit and waste our lives. We will be activated in the assignment and the responsibilities you've called us to. And everyone who believed it said amen. amen. Let's give God one more praise all over the house. Come on. Oh, come on. Now get back up real quick. That was a patty cake. I said somebody give God a real good praise right there. Do it on purpose. Do it on purpose. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Saved people in this room, I have a feeling that if I polled 100% of saved people, no saved person would look at me and say, I don't want to do the will of God. Everybody in this room today who really has a redeemed heart and a renewed spirit, I want you to know that it is absolutely normal and it is absolutely perfectly okay for you to want to know you are in the will of God for your life. What same person wants to spend the rest of their life wasting it by doing something they're not sure if they're supposed to be doing? I want to wake up every morning know, knowing that I am living on purpose for a purpose. I want to know that I'm operating and living in my assignment. There are some things that we're called to do that require a spiritual radar and we have to discern it. But that's not where I want to start. I'm going to get there today, but that's not where I want to start because I think a more appropriate place to start when talking about discerning and recognizing the assignment and the responsibilities that God has called us to, it is to begin with the stuff that everyone in here is called to. Because there are some people who are so frustrated with not knowing a specific picture of what they're assigned and responsible for that they have missed the general assignment. There is, there are, uh, I'm fixing to get some people real ticked off right here. There are some things you don't have to go pray about. Spiritual, sister spiritual, 
Brother, got to have an angel at the end of my bed telling me what to do. No, no, no. There are some things you don't have to pray about. There are some things all of us are called to. So before we get to how we're going to determine who we marry and where we work and what calling we have on our life, let's talk about what the Bible says everybody should be doing. The first thing that is the will of God for everybody is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 when Paul said it is the will of God in everything to give thanks. Oh, this shouldn't be rough. It ought to bless you. But everybody in here, no matter what you look like, where you came from, how much you got in your bank account, it doesn't matter what you have going for you or against you. It is the will of God. How do I know what the will of God is? It is the will of God for everybody to give thanks in all seasons. It does not say to give thanks for everything. It says to give thanks in everything. There are some things I can't be thankful for, but there's never been a season I couldn't be thankful in. Oh, come on, y'all. There are some things that have happened to me that I wasn't necessarily thankful for, but there's never been anything happened to me that I couldn't be thankful in. Some of us want to be, we want to be uh, so, we want such clarity on the assignment God has given us and the responsibility God has put in our life. And we want to know, should I turn left? Should I turn right? Should I buy the house? Should I buy the, uh, the condo? Should I marry her? Should I marry her? Should I marry him? Should I marry him? At the end of the day, if you haven't practiced Thanksgiving, you are already out of order. Everybody, come on, look at your neighbor sitting next to you right now. Tell them in everything, give thanks. I know it ain't Thanksgiving. I know it's not November. I know we're not getting ready for Black Friday to shop this coming Friday. But in everything, it is in order to be a thankful person. And nobody should have to beg you to be thankful. Nobody should have to ask you to be thankful. Nobody should have to pull on you to be thankful. You ought to wake up and put your feet in the, on the floor every morning and be thankful no matter what you're dealing with that there's a graveyard down the road from you with a whole bunch of people who are begging for the problems you're complaining about. Touch somebody tell them be thankful. That's the will of God. Not only is it the will of God to be thankful, but Paul goes on to say in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, it is God's will for every one of us to do good works. You don't have to go pray about this. You don't have to go ask God if he wants you to do a good work. Go do it. In fact, some people act like they have an option if they should do good or not. Christians, the Bible said in Matthew chapter 5, let your light shine before men that men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What if I told you your good works were a reflection of the goodness of the Father on planet earth? How can you describe and demonstrate the goodness of God and you hateful all the time and flip off everybody on the interstate and cuss out everybody? Y'all don't have to say amen. Just wink at me. I know I'm preaching truth. It's his will for us to be engaged in good works. Because when we engage in good works, this is what 1 Peter 2 said, verse 15. You don't have to pray about this. This is the will of God for everybody who's saved. If you've got a redeemed, renewed spirit, if you've been born again, something changed on the inside of us and our behavior ought to reflect the newness of life that we have experienced in Christ. 
if you were hateful before you got saved, even if it takes him a while to get it out of you, you ought not be as hateful now that the Holy Ghost is living on the inside of you as you were. But come on in here, somebody. Good works. Let somebody tell them good works. Good works. You don't have to pray about good works. You don't have to ask God, should I do this good work? You should just do good works. The, the third thing, and I'm moving through this quickly, the third thing that is a non-negotiable, this is for everybody. How do I know what the will of God is? This is going to be fun. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. Ready? Everybody buckle up. This is a heavy one. He said, flee sexual immorality, for it is the will of God that we all live sanctified. Well, I need to pray about that. No, you don't. You need to live holy. You don't have to pray about nothing. You don't have to pray about... If, if there's, listen, if we live in a very carnal culture, we live in a very carnal culture where, where carnality and sexual perversion and sexual immorality have now been glorified and almost ordained as normality. Please hear me. Your temple, your body is still the possession of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. What you look at and what you listen to and what you fellowship with and what you sleep with is heavy in here. I should have saved this one for Wednesday night and not Sunday morning. But the reality of it is your temple is still the temple of the Holy Spirit and you've got the responsibility. You don't have to pray about this. This is what God has called us to, even the sanctification of our lives. The Bible said it's his will for all of us to live sanctified. Well, you know, Brother Wallace, you, you're the preacher. You should live sanctified. It's optional for me. That's the problem, and it is what I believe the culprit to be in the kingdom of God that is robbing us of kingdom authority and kingdom power. We have too many customizable Christians. We want to, oh, y'all don't have to say amen, but we want to customize the word. We want to customize our interpretation. And instead of looking at the word as a mirror and it reflecting the flaws, the imperfections, and the fallacies of our own spirit and us moving and migrating toward a perfect picture of Christ in the word, we now look into the word and see our flaws, flaws and fallacies. And instead of coming up higher, we reduce the word and we customize the word and pick and choose. Y'all don't have to say amen, but we pick and choose the word to accommodate the coping mechanism of thinking and being taught it's all right to live with sin in our life when in reality the Bible said be ye holy as I am holy if you want God to bless you it's not optional to come out from among the world and be a separate people this is not optional this is for everybody in the church Deacons and ushers and preachers and pastors and apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and it's for everybody in the church. And then this, this other thing here, Ephesians chapter 4. I have written down in my notes, it's not optional to get planted. Psalm chapter 1, 
Blessed is the man or woman that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of the sinner or sits in the seat of the scornful. This is Psalm chapter 1. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law does he meditate both day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of living water that brings forth fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does, it shall prosper. I'm in Psalm chapter 1 right here. The reason some people never come into a season and never flourish is because they never get planted. Where is my help at in here? You cannot float from church to church blaming leadership for your lack of opportunity when you haven't been planted anywhere. I'm not going to get no help right here, but you haven't been planted anywhere long enough to grow. A couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, some dude come flying across the ridge, stoned out of his mind, and drove through my front yard. I got it on video. I'm watching this on my video system. I'm saying, fool. I mean, he drove 55 miles an hour on the ridge. Had I not had giant boulders in my yard, he'd have drove into my kitchen. And it had been on then. <laughs> but he knocked this tree. I, I got these three trees. My man hit a tree and knocked the tree out of its hole. You know what I'm talking about. Bill takes care of my yard. Knocked the tree out of my hole and it's, it's all brown now. And it was doing good. Until he unplanted it. And some of y'all were doing real good. Until you got unplanted. And you are not created to function well. If you don't get planted in the house of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4. And every joint supplies. And we all do what we're called to do. It is not. Uh, listen before you can touch the nations. You got to touch your neighbor. Oh, I should got a little bit more help on that one. Before you can touch the nations, you got to be willing to touch your neighbor. How are you going to win the nations and you can't say hello to your neighbor? And I'm talking about the one sitting next to you right now. Reach over and tell them hello. <laughs> oh, I'm called to the nations. No, you're not called to the nations. You can't be called to the nations when you can't love people who are in your same zip code. No, there's something wrong with that. It's not ends of the earth. It's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, then the ends of the earth. What qualifies you for regions and for nations is that you successfully accomplish a feat in your own region. There's a reason when God took us through transition a year and a half ago, he gave me a specific word, redemption to the nations because the first place we had to start was the city he planted us in if you can't do it in the city you're planted in how can you be qualified to go to the nations if you can't serve in this house yeah it's coming home now and I know not everybody's called to work in the kids department I'm not necessarily called to work in the kids' department. You probably don't want me working in the kids' department. Your children sure enough don't want me working in the children. You know, if I kept children, they would come home on a sugar coma. 
You want another sucker? Here's another one. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Have another sucker. Praise the Lord. That's how I take care of kids. You want, you want to cry? Give me another ring pop for that baby. Hallelujah. I'm not called to take care of kids, but I'm operating in my calling right here. Some of you are called to take care of kids, and you ain't. What's wrong? Some of you are gifted to sing, and you ain't. What's wrong? Do you seriously think God gave you a gift to sing so that you can listen to yourself in the shower? The devil is a liar. You better get up on that stage and start singing because God is trying to add to the sound that is being released from this house. The greatest gifts that ever come from this place are not necessarily preaching gifts. Some of the greatest gifts that ever are released from this house are the smiles that 15 members give every Sunday. Hugs that we give away. Parking attendants that say, God bless you, come over here and park. See, we know how to take care of people here. Don't think that happens accidentally. The reality of it is some of you are gifted to serve in this house and you got your eyes on bigger prizes. And God said the reason that door hadn't opened yet because you ain't flourished where you're planted. Preach, Wallace, preach. Talk somebody, tell them, flourish where you're planted. Get involved where you have an opportunity. Stop sitting down pouting about what door hasn't opened and thank God that Will Murray walked up to you and said, would you like to help us in the parking lot? Why, yes, I would. I've been looking for something to do with this church for a long time. These things are not optional. You don't even have to pray about this. Serve, sanctification, give thanks, do good. These are things all of us are called to do. Look at your neighbor and inform your neighbor and say, you are not better than that. You're not better than that. That is something that every day I have to live to. Oh, oh I want to go down so many roads here. Lord, help me, Jesus. Because I get sick and tired of arrogant preachers. Y'all ain't never dealt with them, but let me get some things off my chest real quick. I get sick and tired of arrogant preachers. Listen, if you're called to be an apostle, be a relational apostle. Don't get there late, leave early and have... Listen, if you got 12 people in your church and six of them are security team, you, you got problems. Because the other six came in the car with you and they call you daddy and husband. Listen, we got this thing going. We got this crazy syndrome in the church. We are infatuated with titles. We are infatuated with being in the glitz and the glamour. Something is wrong with that. Jesus was the king of glory but got a robe, took his robe off, put a towel around him and washed the disciples' feet. You are not qualified to leave if serving is under or above you. These are things all of us are called to. So when we talk about discernment, you don't have to go pray about what I just talked about. Just go do it. Live holy. Abstain from sexual immorality. Well, you know, I felt like God wanted me to, you know, God wanted me to be with them. Are you married? No, but, you know, I felt like God wanted me to try it out. Oh, it got real right there. Live holy. When you feel like you're tempted sexually, do not 
Listen to me clearly. If you don't hear anything else I say, listen to me clearly. God never called you to stand around and fight off sexual temptation. Do you know what you do when you get in the middle of a sexually tempting moment? You don't stand there and bind the devil. You don't stand there and say, I rebuke you, Satan. You don't stand, no, no, no. What you do is you put on your Reeboks and you run. That's what the Bible said. Flee fornication. It doesn't say fight it, rebuke it, withstand it. It said put your Nike Air Jordans, put your Kevin Durant's on, put your Adidas Ultra Boost on and take your tail and run just as fast as you can. You are not created to withstand a moment like that and be able to fight it like you fight everything else. God knew what our weaknesses would be, so he said, don't stand there and try to deal with it. Run from it. Brothers, brothers, uh uh-huh. I'm feeling something right here. I'm talking to somebody today. Brothers, if she comes on to you, do one of two things. Act very dumb or get really spiritual. It works. She comes on to you. uh, uh, Or both work. Both work. I was at Lee University, I was 17 years old, and I had never had a girlfriend in my life. Don't feel sorry for me. Saved a lot of money. And a lot of heartbreak. I'll never forget I was 17, she was 20 something. And we were going to lunch, I thought, until she took me to a cul-de-sac. And there wasn't no McDonald's or KFC in the cul-de-sac. And she leaned over and tried to plant one on me and closed her eyes. I laid my hands on her head and said, That's a true story before the Lord. It's a true story. She put it in park and drove me to Hughes Hall, dropped me off, and I shouted all the way back to my room. Hallelujah. Some of y'all say, well, he's just crazy. No, when you wait with integrity, stand up, girl. You are on a scale of one to 10, she's an 11. Don't you ever, don't you ever think about it for a moment. If you live holy, God will let you marry over your head. God, oh, y'all better help somebody in here today. Lord have mercy, y'all better quit. I'll take her out on the town right now. Live holy. Live holy. Do good. Walk sanctified. Serve. Get planted. This is for everybody. So there are some things all of us are called to do. There are those things we have to decide on, however that are beyond the scope of general revelation for the entire body of Christ. There are those specific, peculiar assignments and responsibilities that God dispenses upon you that are not for everybody else. There are things you are called to that are 
tailored for your life. Finding those things in certain moments can be a very challenging thing. Because if you will remember the first message that I started with in this series, you have the satanic suggestions. You have the voice of the Spirit of God, and you have your own internal voice. You, you have those three voices coming at you on the inside. Satanic suggestions, the voice of the Holy Spirit, and then your own heart, your own voice. Discerning what voice you are hearing is key to determining your assignment and responsibility. If you don't know what voice you're hearing, you could hear a voice that plucks the right chord in your heart, but it may not be the will of God for your life. I want to suggest two things for you. Listen, not every door that opens in your life is God's door for your life. It could be a good door. Sometimes good gets in the way of God. Sometimes we are so enamored with a good opportunity that we miss the God opportunity. I was talking to someone this past week. In fact, it was the School of Prophets, which, by the way, I'm so proud of all of our students from RSM that graduated last Sunday, and we just celebrate all of our sons and daughters. It was amazing. And if you are looking, let me just say this as a shameless plug in the middle of my sermon, if you are looking for a place to become uh, part of a family to grow in what God's called you to do and to be in a place that will love you and let you be a part of the ministry but also teach you how to discern your responsibilities and your assignments. I think RSM, Redemption School of Ministry, would be a great place for people in this house. And we're getting full. So if there's anybody who wants to be a part of it that's a part of our church family, you need to reach out to rsm.org or call the office because we got people coming from literally across America to be a part this next semester. So that's the shameless plug. I said all that to say this. When it comes to discerning and recognizing the assignment on our life, what God has and what God has not called us to do, every door that opens for you is not always the door you should walk through. You should always ask the question, is this God? You should never blame God foolishly for what you didn't pray for before you made the decision. In other words, if you didn't ask God about it before you made the decision, if you didn't get a green light from heaven before you made the decision, you should never blame God that it doesn't work out because I promise you he would have told you had you taken the time to say, God, is this your will? Good can become the enemy of God. The second thing I want to tell you is that every time God shuts a door, it doesn't mean life is ending. Some of us need to understand that when God shuts a door, it is only because he is preparing us for something that I, our eyes haven't seen and our ears haven't heard yet. There is always something greater. If God ever closes a door, mature saints never judge prematurely a shut door. Some people judge 
Some people judge a shut door prematurely and they give up hope. Mature saints of God understand that when he closes a door, they should start looking for another one. Uh, where y'all at in here? God will never close off one thing unless he, it's actually a reason for you to bless the Lord when he closes something off. It meant that he loved you too much to keep you from something that would have been good. It ain't that it would have been bad. It would have been all right, but it just wasn't exactly what he had in store. If God ever closes something off, if a group of people ever turn their back on you, don't let it make you cry too many nights. Don't let it keep you up too many nights. In fact, there'll come a time in your future where the people who turn their back on you, you're going to write every one of them a thank you card. Thank you. Thank you for talking about me. Thank you for lying on me. Thank you for turning your back on me. Because had you let me in your clique and had you let me in your club, that door over there would have never opened up. But because God is good all the time, he refuses to let you stay in a place where it's just good. He's getting ready. Somebody needs to catch this right here. He's getting ready to take you from glory to glory. And rejection may be the clue. Look at somebody tell them rejection may be the clue. Don't panic when God shuts a door. And don't be so quick to run through every open door. I've had to learn how sometimes the most spiritual thing I can do is say no to a great opportunity. Because it wasn't God. Now, I do not want to present to you today a formula that will, without fail, cause you to walk in the perfect will of God. Because I don't believe, after reading the scriptures and living a Christian life for over 20 years, I don't believe God makes it A, B, C, D, 1, 2, 3, formula, formula, formula. I believe it's called a walk of faith. But I am going to give you some encouraging behaviors to engage in that will improve the ability for you and I to walk in what is the perfect will of God for our life, the acceptable will of God for our life. The good. Somebody said there's three different wills of God, good, acceptable, and perfect. That is not what Paul is teaching. There are not three different levels of the will of God. You are either in the will of God or you are out of the will of God. But when you find the will of God, it is both good, acceptable, and pleasing. Okay? And you know why I have to say that? Because some people think if I, if I just settle for that third level, you know, acceptable will of God, just acceptable. Do you think God seriously sent Jesus down the cross so you and I can live an acceptable Christian life? Like we say it like acceptable means sort of okay. No, that is not the word there. It is the same word used of Jesus in the, in the river of Jordan. Where the Bible says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It doesn't mean acceptable just like, ah, it's okay if you want to do it, if you don't. That is, it is not permission for you to go live half carnal. The permissible will of God. Bunch of craziness. There are things God permits. The only thing, the only reason God permits it is because he has a plan in his grace to get you back on track. 
But it's not permissible in the sense that God lets you settle for what's less than his best for your life. So watch this. Let me give you some, let me give you some behaviors and some clues. If you want to know you're walking with the radar, that radar of the spirit on the inside, how do I know this is for me or not for me? There are several things. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to live with a renewed mind. Write this down. Live with a renewed mind. Everybody say, renew my mind, Lord. And he says to us, if you want to have a renewed mind, stay in the word. Brothers, sisters, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It is impossible for you to know the good, perfect, acceptable, pleasing will of God. It's impossible for you to know it if your mind is not renewed. That's what Paul's telling us. You can be saved but have a shabby mind. Y'all know what shabby is. You know, it just ain't thinking all that clearly. It's not thinking according to the kingdom of God or the purpose of God or the plan of God. An unrenewed mind is the most dangerous liability to the child of God. Because if you're not careful, an unrenewed mind, listen, will communicate to your spirit things that are untrue about God's purpose for your life. There are people sitting in here this morning who love God in their heart, but their mind has not been washed or renewed. And because your mind has not been washed or renewed, you have spent time in this world, listen, allowing your mind to become shaped and molded according to the pattern of this fallen world. Then you take that fallen mind and come to your assignment in God and you wish for your unrenewed mind to inform you as to the will of God for your life. And really your unrenewed mind is not so concerned about knowing the will of God. Your unrenewed mind is it's concerned with self. So we wind up making selfish decisions through an unrenewed mind when if we ever renewed our mind, it would inform us correctly as to what the will of God is for our life. So you have people who don't read the Bible, and they don't talk to God, and they don't pray, but they want God's instruction in a crisis. Oh, where am I at in here? We want God's instruction in a crisis. Do you know what causes you and I to operate in accuracy during a crisis? It's that we operated in the spirit when everything was going well. If you ever walk by the spirit when things are not in a crisis, you can have confidence in a crisis. I am not trusting in my flesh. I am indeed trusting in God. You have to have a renewed mind. Why? Because not everything that makes you feel good is God's will for you. I've told this story a hundred times, but it's, it's important that I say something to reinforce this thought. You know, there, there, uh, there was this time in my life where Devin and I were newlyweds, okay, and we didn't have anything. The first Christmas tree we had looked like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. A string of lights, every other light worked. It was a shame. Oh, 
My kids, I'm so glad they weren't alive then. Hallelujah. <laughs> What'd you get us for Christmas? A bowl. What'd you get him for Christmas? A spoon. <laughs> what am I going to do with this? Put it together. We're going to have a meal. Come on, somebody. I remember being 20. How? Oh, one. You were 20. The day, I, the day I turned 20, we got married. She was still 19. Wow. I remember a man calling us. I had been in revival in Florida at a really great church, really. It was a strong church. Around four or 500 people. And I told this story before. He invited us to come to Florida, live in Florida, work six months as his associate. He was going to retire. I was going to buy his house without having to go to a bank that was 20 minutes from the ocean. Ocean. Like white sand ocean. Devin was all. That old church, oh, glory, hallelujah. She felt that thing down in her spirit. And, and listen, this is when I'm 38, so this was 18 years ago. He offered me $75,000 a year. That's 18 years ago. That's when, that's a lot, that's a lot of money now. Back then, I was like, we're moving on up, moving on. Come on, girl. You better shout with me, Devin. And we were like, you know, we're going to Florida. This is God. 20 minutes from the ocean. And I got down on my knees before the Lord. It went like this. It went like this. I got down on my knees, and when my knee hit the ground, I heard the Holy Ghost say, No! Devil, I bind that in the name of Jesus. You're trying to take my joy. I'm going to go back and pray again. No! Thou savorest the, not the things that be of God. That's what I felt like. I went to my pastor. I said, Pastor, I'm wrestling with something. I believe the enemy is trying to keep me out of the will of God. <laughs> True story. He's like, what have you done? I'm like, I bound it. I rebuked it. What happened? It came back stronger. I said, we, God, I don't feel like God would keep me from this. I feel like we're supposed to go to Florida. He leaned back in his seat. I'll never forget this. I was by myself with Pastor Fritz. He leaned back in his sit seat, and he looked at me and said, you're not supposed to go to Florida. I'm like, man, the devil's talking to him too. Man, everybody I know, the enemy is trying to deceive. Come here, let me pray for you, Jesus. He said, you're not supposed to go to Florida. You're supposed to come here to Athens, Tennessee, and you're supposed to be my associate pastor. Well, the problem with that was it wasn't 20 minutes from the beach. And it sure enough wasn't $75,000 a year. And it was my wife's home church. So not only do I get to go home, Amy Pilgrim, and tell my wife we're not going to Florida, I have to go home and tell her we're to go to your home church. So God, you can tell her. So I walked in. She's like, what, where are we going? Come on in the kitchen. 
what's wrong? Just come on in the kitchen. Sit down. Father, Devin, we're not going to Florida. For real? Where are we going? We're going to cow country. Y'all ought to all feel sorry for us. But here's what happened. Two weeks after I said no to Florida, it came out that the pastor of that church was embezzling money. Had I gone to that church, See, here's the thing, y'all. When dealing with this thing on the radar, you got to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because, watch, because you see what's up the road. He sees what's around the corner. And some of us are making decisions based on what we see up the road. But there is a turn involved, and you can't see around the turn. And as long as you trust the one that knows what's around the turn, he's got you. He's got you. Had I listened to that voice, had I not listened to that voice and went to Florida, we may not even be here this morning. You got to have a renewed mind. Say renewed mind. You got to keep your mind renewed because the world tries to pattern your thinking after its course. And the way God thinks is very different than the way the world thinks. The world says if it blesses you, if it makes you feel good, if it makes you more money, if it makes it easier, if it makes it more comfortable, that must be for you. And sometimes God said, no. I was thinking about this. This is crazy thought. And I know this is going to challenge our, 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 uh, uh, our normal way of thinking about this text. But in Acts chapter 16, we always talk about Paul and Silas. Woo, they praise God at midnight. Eh, hallelujah. And the Lord shook the earthquake with the earthquake. And the gates of the prison flew open. And God set them all free. Read the Bible. God set them all free. God opened every prison door. And instead of running, Paul stayed. Well, I thought the open door meant I'm supposed to leave this prison. Nope. Paul, I want you to stay in the prison. Even though I freed you from it, stay there. Why? Because there's a jailer who's going to want to know how to get born again. What if the prison was an assignment? God, who am I talking to? Who am I talking to? What if the prison was an assignment? What if God was getting ready to take you through a temporary season of being incarcerated, not because you were going to stay incarcerated, but because you're getting ready to bring the prison guards out of the prison? Some of us can't handle that kind of assignment. But when you say my life is not my own, to you I belong. I give myself away. When you're not more concerned with your comfort than you are your calling, you can be trusted by heaven to go into the gates of hell and come out smelling like a rose. All things work together for the good to them that love God. I rebuke the prison. Don't. You might be the only one anointed to come out of it. And when you come out of it, not, oh, not only are you coming out of it, you're bringing other people out with you. God may have sent you into that mess just because he trusted you to come out and to bring hostages with you. Oh, 
my God, when I come out of this test, I'm not only coming out for myself, I'm bringing my children, my wife, my friends, this church, our city, we're coming out. Oh, no, somebody give God praise in here. First thing, live, I got about five or six minutes here, live with a renewed mind. If you don't, if you don't renew your mind, don't trust your decision-making ability. I told you two weeks ago, don't trust what you haven't trained. Don't trust a mind that you haven't trained. Second thing. I brought me some Play-Doh. First thing is you must have a renewed mind. Secondly, you must have a compliant, yielded heart. Oh, it's going to get quiet here. My Lord Jesus, somebody. Judah, somebody with a hand smaller than mine. Come on. Get it out there. Come on, Zion. Come on, Judah. Get it out there. Y'all make, do y'all's kids make foam? What is it called? Slime. What is this phenomenon hitting our children? I went downstairs and looked in my basement a couple days ago. It's a slime factory. I said, come on, my kids are making bombs. What's going on down here? Watch. Say this. Say, stay yielded and moldable if I were going to shape the future of something if I were going to take something and turn it into something it was not in order for me to be able to transform it from the state it is currently in to something that it could become, that object must be moldable. When, when I look at this, this hard thing, I can't make it what it could be without beating it up, cutting it in pieces, nailing it, beating on it, putting it back together. It's just hard. Some of us aren't able to catch the God assignment on our life because there's no yieldedness in us. There's no compliance in us. We have our mind made up what God will do with our life. But when did the clay ever look back to the potter? And start telling the potter, you know what I think you ought to do with me? Because I know what kind of clay I can be. Look at your neighbor and say, quit. Stop it. It's just getting on our nerves. You acting like you know what your life is supposed to become. Some of you think you're great. And until you become nothing, you will never be great. 
And some of you think you're nothing and are very positioned to become great because you are, but listen, enemies have surrounded you to try to confuse you as to your identity in God. Brokenness leads to greatness. I don't know what that could be without me cutting it up and breaking it apart because it's hard. But this, this clay, it's got my fingerprints all over it. I didn't have to squeeze it real hard. I just had to touch it, Lamont. I just had to touch it and everywhere I touch it, I see my fingerprints. Because it's not hard, it's moldable. Oh God, I feel him in here right now. Some of you, some of you have resisted. I wrote down, get bitter. Don't get bitter, get better. Don't get tough, get tender. If you stay moldable, he don't have to hit you. He don't have to step on you. He don't have to break you. All he's got to do, you know, is just a little touch. And everywhere he touches, you can see his fingerprint. Oh, God, give me a bunch of people in this house who stay moldable so that when the Father puts his hand on my heart, he don't have to crush me to mold me. All he's got to do is just gently touch me. May my life be, may it be covered with the finger. Prince. I hear the Holy Ghost telling me right now there's somebody in here been through something so bad it succeeded in getting you bitter and jaded. And because you got bitter and jaded, God's not able to shape you like he used to. God, who am I talking to, Lord? God's not able to mold you like he used to. You used to be so flexible. You would go where he sent you. You would do what he called you to do. And now you've been burnt. You've been run over. You've been lied on. You've been taken advantage of. And you can't become what God assigned you to be if your heart is hard. Lay your hand on your heart right now. Say, God, keep me tender. God, keep me tender. God, keep me tender. Whatever you do, Holy Spirit, keep me tender. Don't let me get hard in my heart. Don't, I don't want to have to live in a place where you got to break me over and over again. I want to live in a place where I can be up on that potter's wheel. Every turn represents a transformation in my life. Father, you're, you're calling me back to the center so that when you turn me, every touch can produce the kind of transformation that's the problem when you get hard his touch can no longer transform you come help me Brian when you get hard his touch can no longer transform you when you get hard in here his touch can no longer transform you stay soft family Because I found out sometimes in life, even with the perfect potter working on the clay, Jeremiah 18 reminds us that sometimes the clay can be marred. What about my assignment, God? 
responsibilities. What about what you've called me to? I tried it and it failed. I attempted it and it just didn't work. I thought you told me to. It's falling apart. Jeremiah 18. The clay was marred. crazy thing is it was still in the hand of the potter I might be marred but I'm still in his hands you might be marred but stay moldable because you're still in his hands. And here's what I want to tell you. Sometimes trying to do the will of God means you got to operate on very limited, limited information. If your demand to follow God is that you see the outcome before you follow him, well, you're going to have to show me how this works out before I sell this house. Mm, I'm preaching to myself right now. You're going to have to show me how this works out before I do this deal. Sometimes God's just leading you. Why doesn't God give us more information than he gives us? Several reasons. Number one, he wants you to walk by faith. So that when you get there, you know it wasn't you that got you there. It was him. The second reason he shows us limited information is because sure enough, I would screw it up. If God showed me what I would, had God showed me this 15 years ago in Udawa when we had 24 people, I would have messed it up by now. She said, oh yeah, I love her. I'd have messed it up by now. God doesn't show you everything about your future. Your headlights on your car are a good reminder of how God works. When you get in your car tonight and go somewhere, your headlights don't shine all the way to your destination. They just shine 20 feet, 30 feet, 40 feet up the road. They'll eventually get you there because the path of the just grows brighter and brighter, not darker and darker. But God doesn't always show you what the end of this thing is going to look like. He just says, will you trust me another half a mile? Will you trust me another 50 yards? Will you just keep on? Will you trust me one more campus? Will you trust me with what? Come on, somebody. You, you just got to get out here and follow. Last thing is this. So, number one, live with a renewed mind. Number two, stay compliant and moldable, yielded to God. And number three, if you're going to operate in your assignment and your responsibility, you have to have a spirit of release and know when to let it go. Like Anna told Elsa. The cold never bothered me anyway. Let it go. Look at your neighbor, tell them, let it go. Why do I teach this right here, let it go? Because some saints whew, spend their energy and resources 
trying to extend and sustain a season that is supposed to end. And I understand why. Because if we don't know where we're going and we like where we've been, then I should do everything I can to extend this season because I'm not sure what my future holds. Some of us in this room today are unable to embrace next because we are trying to turn now into what used to be. When Elijah was at the brook Cherith, every day the ravens came in with meat in their mouth and the brook had water. Where do you get meat and steak in the time of famine? Only one place. The table of the king. Do you understand that God's program was to take a raven, which represents an unclean thing, fly into the palace of the king, take meat off of the king's plate, The rabbis and the sages believe, historically they teach us, that this becomes so common that Ahab began to put a plate of food together for the ravens. They they literally teach, and I believe it, that King Ahab prepared a plate for the ravens because he thought the ravens were coming to feed themselves. What Ahab didn't know is that Ahab was feeding the prophet he was trying to kill. What a mighty God we serve. God will make the devil pay the bill. Hallelujah. But what do you do when the brook runs dry and the birds won't fly the brook dried up the ravens stopped visiting and the prophet could have sat at that brook and gotten mad at God I'm waiting where are you it's time for my raven meal Nope. You know what God said to the prophet? Pack it up. Get to Zarephath. I've spoken to a widow there. She's going to use what she has left to sustain you. Someone is in a season today where the next phase of your assignment and responsibility will only be released when you let go of what has been. Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe it was a ministry. Maybe it was a a door in a season that were really fruitful. Man, there's nothing harder than for a Christian who was fruitful in one place in one season to recognize God ain't there anymore for that. It doesn't mean he wasn't there at a particular time in your past. It just means the season is changing. A renewed mind, a moldable, yielded heart, 
and the ability to release. And I want to say this. I heard the Lord say this to me in prayer this morning as I was preparing final notes. I'm going to read it like he wrote it. Do not judge prematurely. And, and when, I, when I heard that in my heart, I said, God, what are you saying to me? He said, when Israel came to the Red Sea, some people looked at their predicament and they said, leaving Egypt was not the will of God. Couldn't have been. That's why some of the elders in Israel said, would to God you to let us die in Egypt? The problem is you think God brought you to the Red Sea to kill you. Don't judge that scene prematurely. God didn't bring Israel to the Red Sea to kill Israel. i got to rewind because some of you are not catching this. Don't judge where you're standing right now prematurely. Just because you're surrounded doesn't mean it's over for you. God didn't bring Israel to the Red Sea to drown Israel. They just gave us a witness. You hear those babies in there shouting? That was a witness. God didn't bring you to the Red Sea to kill you. God brought you to the Red Sea to kill your enemies. Don't judge prematurely. Stand with me. Recognizing and discerning assignments and responsibilities. I'll end with the text I began with. Not everything you want to do is your assignment. You have a sphere of service and influence. You have a God-given assignment. In order to find it and know what you're called to do, where to work, who to marry, what house to buy, here's my plan. Here's the plan. Just keep your mind renewed in the Word. Keep your spirit moldable. Don't become hard and act like you know it all. Stay open and moldable to God. Finally, don't be afraid to let go of a previous season. God wants to take you from glory to glory. The Christian life is not one of of reduction and contraction. You and I may go through reduction and contraction, but it doesn't last forever. Anytime God, God ever takes us backward and contracts, it's only because he's getting ready to propel us and launch us into something greater. If you need to receive this word today, just lift your hands right now all over this house. Just lift your hands with me right now and just ask God to seal this word in your heart today. Would you do that? Lord, we want to live in your will. Lay hands on your heart. Come on, lay hands on your heart. Lord, we want to live in your will. We, we, we don't want to stay stuck in a previous season. We don't want to live with an unrenewed mind. We don't want to live with a hard heart. Holy Spirit, would you breathe life on people today? I pray for the power of God to touch lives today. Someone needs to let something go. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I felt so strongly when I was preaching this a few moments ago. Someone needs to let something go. Let it go before it drives you crazy. Let it go before it robs you of your joy. Let it go before, listen, you were fruitful. You succeeded. Mission accomplished. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying it's time for a new mission. It's time for a fresh assignment. God, I'm hearing the Spirit of the Lord. You can't even measure all that God did with you in that previous place. 
You don't see a lot of fruit, but the Spirit of the Lord said to me, is saying to me right now, the seeds you've sown are going to produce eternal fruit. Let it go. Let it go. I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm not trying to call anybody out, but if I'm talking to you, would you lift your hands right now? You need to, I know it ain't everybody, but you need to let some stuff go. It's not in a bad spirit. I'm not saying it like there's something wrong with you. I have been there. I have tried to hang on to stuff that God was saying let go of. But if today you need to let some stuff go, just throw your hands up and get this burden off of you right now. Come on, throw your hands up and just begin to praise God. Begin to praise God right now. If you know it's over and it's done, quit worrying about what the future holds. Quit worrying about what the future holds and trust God right now. I release you from this burden of trying to manufacture stuff that you know is done. I release you from it now. Trying to sustain, you are staying up at night trying to create a plan that will extend a season that God will not continue to bless. It's over. Let it go. Let it go. If somebody's hand is up near you right now, lay your hand on their shoulder and pray for them. And here's how I want you to pray God, give them the grace to let it go, give them the grace to release. Come on, pray. Give them the grace to release something right now, Father. I thank you that the best, come on, pray these prayers over them. We, we declare over them the best is yet to come. We declare over them the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. They will not be inhibited by feeling like their prime is in their past. The devil is a liar. We declare over them that the great things you are going to do in their future, Father God, they are worth releasing the past over. Forgetting those things which are behind, we press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Let it go. Let it go. Give them the courage to let it go, the strength to let it go. Give them the grace to let it go, the peace to let it go. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father God. There's some, listen, there's some people who just came through divorce in this room right now. You are still bitter. Your heart is hard. Your, your walls are up and you are not even trusting God. You're, that's what divorce does. It hardens the heart. But I hear the Lord saying he's the lover of your soul right now. He is the lover of your soul. There is life after this divorce. Be encouraged. God ain't through with you yet. Be encouraged. God is not through with you yet. I declare what some of you are getting ready to step through into after this divorce is going to bring healing to your heart and joy to your soul. I know this isn't for everyone, but some divorcees in here need to receive this. The best is yet to come. The best is yet. Only God could work the kind of miracle getting ready to happen in your life. Thank you for it, God. Last thing. Lord, I give you my heart. Give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every moment I'm away, have your way in me. One more time before we go home, lay your hands on your heart and give it to Jesus. I give you my heart. Give you my soul. I live every moment. Every moment I'm away. Come on, have your way in me. He's molding you today, Lord. I give you. Somebody give God your soul. 
Listen, I want to say something, and we're going home. Deacon Farmer's going to pray a prayer benediction. We're going to be done. I, I covet your prayers this week. I'm going to preach in Detroit, Michigan on the Word Network, and I believe it's an assignment. I, I, I had initially said no to this, uh, but I felt like God told me it was an assignment. I covet your prayers on Wednesday that the Lord would give me the grace and the freedom just to preach what he puts in my heart. Amen. Devin and I, my four children, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Zion, and Judah, we love you all deeply. And I want you to know today, whatever you did, whether it was just a card, a gift, an off, whatever, we love you. Every card will be read. Every word means something deeply to Devin and I. And we appreciate you so much. Thank you for being a part of this family. Deacon, would you pray for us? And we're going to leave. I look forward to greeting everyone that can in the lobby. God bless you. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this word this morning, Father. God, we give you our hearts. We give you our soul, God. And we thank you, Father God, that we're discerning your voice for our assignments in the earth. Thank you for the release and the hearts that were set free this morning. God, we love you, honor. We thank you for that, God. Now, Father, we pray over the mission team that's going to Africa this week, Father. We pray over them. We plead the blood of Jesus over them and the team. Everywhere their foot go, Father, we thank you that the kingdom of God will be advanced. We love and we thank you, Father God, for all that you're doing in the earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.